Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. Me, Dan the Fitness Man. Hope you guys are having a great week. I always appreciate you tuning in because you got a lot of options out there. If you want to help support the podcast, a couple ways you can do it. One, Tell a good buddy about us. You can do the iTunes review thing there, although I rarely check those. I should incentivize you guys to do that, but I'm not going to. If you respect what we got going on, then do that. I appreciate you. Uh, the other thing is, is we got Elk Shape Camps coming up 2020. Reach out. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, we're going to go to a handful of states. We're not going majorly east, but uh, we are leaving the Spokane area. We only have one in Spokane. And Spokane ones are obviously my favorite because we're at my home archery shop, at my home gym, and you really get a taste of what we're all about. But we're going to travel to other places and bring the, the elk-shaped doctrine on creating a roadmap for you and figuring out your weaknesses and tackling them for the 2020 season. I hope to meet a lot of you because I can't tell you how rewarding it is to get those texts and emails from campers seeing their first archery success right after camp. Uh, there's nothing better. So Check those out. Be on the lookout for that. Thank you, Vortex Optics, for supporting this podcast. You guys know about their VIP warranty, and you know their glass is super affordable. Kinetrek boots. Please, you have a lot of options on boots, so you got to find the ones that work for you. Ones that work for me are the Mountain Guides. Those things, I do rock a high top. I don't like lows or mids. I can go anywhere. Those things feel like tennis shoes once you get them broke in. Elk 101, check out Corey's message at the end of this podcast. On X Hunt, cannot, will not leave home without it. XO Mountain Gear, they are caught up on their order. So if you need a new pack, look no further. I recommend the 4800. 
and I recommend getting the dry bag that goes right in seamlessly. Matthews Archery, Grim Reaper Broadheads, Boning Archery, and Blue Collar Public Land Elk Hunters. Y'all, thank you for making this podcast a reality. And we are going to interview Anthony. He is from Idaho. He drove over. He reached out via Instagram on several questions because he's stuck in the learning curve. He's on year number six going into 2020 without getting it done. We are going to go through all his questions on this podcast and figure out what he needs to work on and maybe some different tactics. I'm no expert, but I've got a lot of hours logged in the, the mountains. We are talking about North Idaho elk largely today but i do think it relates to other places as well and the last thing that we did with anthony that i i wish we could have filmed and showed you but it was really insightful for him is he brought maps and showed i know where he hunts now don't worry i'm not that guy uh but i we went through all his maps figured out how he was entering the mountains how he was exiting and we learned real quick he needed to start doing a little bit more backpacking covering a little bit more ground and creating himself a little bit of a spike camp or bivy hunt style. He was wasting a lot of energy hiking to and from. Plus, he only had one real good spot. And I went through it and I was like, man, I would hunt this in a day. You need to have four or five of these. So he's really been assigned for scouting. And I don't want to spoil the rest of the episode, but it's kind of a cool one because we're just kind of coaching a guy and learning about what he's doing and seeing if we can help him. And hopefully we help you. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Keep grinding towards your goals. Without further ado, this is Elk Shape Podcast. Enjoy. It's happening. Hey, welcome to Elk Shape Podcast. Me, Dan the Fitness Man. We are in Spokane. We're doing a face-to-face in-person podcast today with a guy who basically just reached out and said, Hey, I, I don't live too far away. I got some questions about elk hunting. I went out this year. Can you answer them? And I was like, uh, yeah, but we'll do it on the podcast. He agreed graciously. So I was like, well, maybe you'll have some questions that other people do. Maybe we'll go over something. But this whole podcast is here to help other people be successful in the public land over the counter world. So without further ado, this is Anthony Padilla. That's right. And he's from Coeur d'Alene. And I don't know anything about him other than he's been at my house for about three minutes. I slapped these headphones on and we're going to go for this live at my house. So first off, welcome. Thanks for driving over. Uh, help us get to know you a little bit. Give us a little background on you. Right. Thanks, Dan, for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born and raised in uh, Red Bluff, California. No, Idaho residents don't like to hear that. Oh, but they don't. No. <laughs> Learned in the hard way. But uh, yeah, I grew up Red Bluff, California. Played some sports, football, basketball, baseball. Raced little dirt bikes. And I uh, met my wife in high school there. So after high school, we knew we didn't want to stay in California anymore. They just, the morals weren't lining up with uh, what yeah. we wanted. Yeah, you guys were like, we're out of here. Yeah, they, the public schools were not teaching what we wanted in school. So we picked up. And actually, I lived in Coeur d'Alene when I was younger. Oh, my, really? Yeah, my parents and uh, kind of picked up and left. And we lived here for a year and a half. And my mom got homesick, missing family. Yeah. Just them by them. So we moved, they moved us back. Okay. And then when got out of high school, they're like, okay, we're out. We're going back. You you remembered it. Yeah. Yep. Coeur pretty ugly for those listening. No. I would not recommend living there because there's like the lake is small and ugly. Yeah. And the mountains are just terrible. There's no animals yeah. there. Um, I would go to Montana. <laughs> Better hunting seasons. Mm-hmm. 
Um, less people. Yeah, just keep moving that way. What else should I lie about? <laughs> uh, no, Coeur d'Alene is honestly, I don't know why we don't live in Coeur d'Alene. We're over here in Washington. My wife and I kind of argue about that a lot. Um, she's super close to her mom and I'm super close to my, my folks too, but, right. um, it's just 15, 20 more minutes. I mean, how long did it take you to get here? Like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. So yeah. I'm just campaigning to move to the other side of the state or other side of the line, but mm-hmm. I don't like income tax. Yeah. Washington's one of the few states you don't have a an income tax, but that's good. that's that's good. But I still like I just like uh, Idaho principles. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that like yeah. uh, most of our state is dictated by the other side of the mountains. That's right. Same with Oregon. Like a lot of my buddies live in uh, Eastern Oregon, and like I'm just can't like we should just divide Oregon and Washington in half. We'll take the west side. They can all be, I like that. Be that <laughs> super awesome state with very liberal laws and yeah. we can go conservative over here but i digress we need to get back to you so how long have you been in Coeur d'Alene? 10 years 10 years what yeah. kind of work do you do uh, i drive truck you do delivery truck driver yeah okay so what's your hours uh they're all over the place but i you know i start work anywhere between midnight and five o'clock in the morning working 14 hour days you do delivering. 14 yeah 14 is maximum for a truck driver so so you might as well maximize yeah, it. Yeah, you. Yeah, they push you up to the limit. So when they load your truck, mm-hmm. or do you load your truck? No, they load my truck. Okay, so you show up. Your truck's loaded. Are you? Is it going to take you fourteen hours to get everything out of there? Uh some most most of the time. Yeah, sometimes you got easier days, but yeah, we're delivering. Um, I'll deliver all over the place. I go down to the Tri Cities area. Um, like Friday, I'll be going over to Missoula, delivering over to Missoula. So the long days delivering. Dang man, that's. So I'm just fascinated with a 14-hour day, and then ha- you have family and kids, right? Right, yeah. So where, where's sleep in there? Mm-hmm. Like, when do you do that? What's your days off? And most importantly, what's your vacation schedule, too? Right. I'm getting in that happy spot now where I'm up to three weeks vacation, wow. finally. Wow. Building up that vacation up. But, um, yeah, I get, like, I got home this morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, slept for a little bit, got back up with the family, spent some time. Going back to work tomorrow and Friday, and then I'll have the weekends off. So, so you'll have Saturday, Sunday off? Yeah, I finally got that weekends off. So you'll start Monday morning? or you Monday you'll... morning, yep. Oh, man, that's insane. So you're all about podcasts if you're in a truck 14 oh, hours a yeah, day, right? Yeah. I just eat it up. What are some good ones? <laughs> oh, obviously this one. Okay. <laughs> right? I appreciate that. No, it, it's honestly my number one on there because you guys are talking public land stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you can listen to Joe Rogan's or any one of these, and they're talking about ranches. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really relate. It's cool. Yeah. It's yeah, super it's awesome cool that he's talking about hunting. And, yeah. Um, I never want to come across as a hater, but I always want to come across as uh, honest or transparent of right. how I'm fit. And I'm with you on that. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but really appreciate him promoting hunting. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, there's a lot of good in that. I, I do. I love, And I guess Jocko hunted there this year, <laughs> which is really cool. Like, I love Jocko's principles cool but mm-hmm. at the end of the day i cannot even relate you know i don't even follow joe rogan on instagram mm-hmm. um i do follow jocko i don't follow joe rogan's best friend either i'm not gonna say his name but i don't follow him anymore mm-hmm. i just don't relate to a lot of stuff they do and i don't want to have any like bad feelings about it right so i just don't i just choose not to follow i don't encourage anyone else to just do the same thing like don't if if you get mad or worked up about that like just don't follow it yeah follow some Regular old blue collar guys who drive a truck 14 hours a day and love elk hunting and their family. Like, you're the kind of guys I want to sit down and talk to. That's why I was like, please come over. We'll do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because it, yeah. 
I like this podcast. You can relate. This public land stuff is not easy. And you really got to put the boots in the ground and put the time in. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that big time. Like That's no joke. Well, we're going to get into that. So what other name two other really good podcasts and why you like them? Let's see. I do the knock on podcast. Yeah. Just because I'm kind of a self-taught archer. I love and it. And so after missing my first bull, I was like, okay, I got it. I got to tighten things up. You got to control what you can control. Right. And so I, I dove deep into that one. Let's see here. Um, that's about it. You know, I, yeah. I, the, I got my core podcast. So Dud doesn't, he's not as consistent with his podcast. Like they're all kind of just like, Oh, I did one and they've come out. Yeah, but, no, um, out. he is, has consistently always put out really good content on his YouTube channel. And I think it's massive. So mm-hmm. if you guys have never checked out Dudley's, um, podcast or his YouTube channel, I just sent him a text not too long ago. Um, I'm trying to remember what I sent him a text about, but I really like Dudley's approach to year round archery and shooting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, no, he does hunt some, po- some private stuff, but you know, that doesn't like to me, I still, I still think that Dudley is somebody that really knows what he's talking about. Well, we can talk about all the tactics and how to get you in tight on elk, but if you can't execute, right. And if your setup's not perfect, man, I don't know if there's anyone better than Dudley. The other guy that I like is my local archery shop guy, Josh Jones, out of Spokane Valley Archery. We've been doing a few YouTube videos on just building bows, and he's been teaching me how to work on bows. Mm -hmm. And what this Deserat right here, this is home of the – he's actually designing his own – I guess it would be kind of like a – it's a bow press, but it's like a DIY bow press. He's going to get the price point to where – us normal working schmucks could afford them, right. you know, because most yeah. are like seven, eight, nine hundred dollars for a really good bow press. Mm-hmm. So his price point, I'm going to get one right here where we're recording, and I just want to build my own bows and tinker my own bows. I really believe in that. Um, yeah. Have you tinkered with bows yet? No, I don't even want to dip into that rabbit hole yet. Yeah, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Take the professionals. Yeah, in due time, I think that's yeah. there's something to be said about knowing where your bow is susceptible to fail you mm-hmm. um, and trying to mitigate all those things. And so that's kind of what our videos have been focused on is how to mitigate and like bulletproof your setup. And right. even the, one of the most popular videos is just why you should Sharpie your bow with a silver Sharpie. And we just mm-hmm. go through all the ticks, where to put them. But anyways, so knock on great podcast, you're a family man, truck driver, you're a bow hunter. When did you get into bow hunting? That was, let's see, Five years ago, five years ago, I, I uh, picked up my first bow. Actually, it was my second bow. I did 4-H archery when I was a little guy. And then, but then hunting-wise, five years ago. Okay, so what inspired you to pick up a bow? Um, There's got to be a story oh, there. I was hunting rifle season, and I'm walking around October 10th, and I'm hearing these two bulls screaming at each other in this canyon. And I was like, man, I got to get on these guys when they're in the middle of the rut talking to some guys at work, my last job that I was working at and they were all archery hunters and they're just talking about bull screaming, running in on them. And I'm like, man, I got to get on this, but come to find out archery elk hunters, they keep that stuff tight. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't really want to help out a new archer. So kind of self-taught myself. Yeah. Finding a good mentor is tough. Yeah. But it's almost a must. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of why we started those elk shape camps. I was like, man, we can help people. It's hard to find the right help and get the right information. Because there's a bunch of bad information out there, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you found out. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a lot of different narratives. And you just kind of want to know, okay, boil it down to, like, 
this is what I need to know. Um, what was the hardest part for you being self-taught? Was it getting consistency with groups and knowing that your shot execution, um, what really kind of, what did you struggle with in the beginning? And then what was your catalyst that kind of got you going? Right. Yeah. So the first, uh, so I'm trying to like restart the engine, trying to learn what I learned in 4-H, which was a long time ago. So kind of jumped back in and just hammering that trigger Mm -hmm. and the consistency was not there. Mm -hmm. Not thinking about it though. Just like, all right, that was a good shot. That was Mm -hmm. a bad shot not knowing what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, first year I go, first year I go out, I have the instructor driver. You only got a week of vacation. So I transferred truck driving jobs, lost my week of vacation. Me and my dad were supposed to hunt that first week together. So he goes out by himself. So you're driving a truck when you should be elk hunting. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Man. And I have to go out on the weekend on my two days off together. Which is not a good time. No. In Idaho, over the counter. No. That's not a good place to be. <laughs> Everyone is out there. So I get out, and he calls me my last day of work, got a bull down. I'm like, are you serious? We just got into this. All right. This, this is easy. So he, he had either sex tag. Mm-hmm. Got on a bull the night before, screaming right off the road, and got video of it. My mom's sitting in the truck videoing it all right, off, a couple hundred yards off the road. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, goes back the next day, same same little creek drainage that's right there. Gets on the herd, chases him up the mountain, shoots it down. He's like, man, this is awesome. He got the bull? Got it. Oh my well, he gosh. didn't get the herd bull. And um, got, a, got himself a spike. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And ever since then, we haven't got a bull down. Mm-hmm. We've been on them. And um, learning that they're not right off the road. That was that was a freak thing that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every year you hear about the guy who gets out of his truck. I have a friend who did this in Washington last year, got out of his truck, literally threw out a cow call, and a bull came running, and he shot it. Gosh. And I'm just like, so you're saying, like, like where's your truck? He's like, no, I'm, like, at my truck. I'm like, so, you're like, you're, like, you can see your truck? He's like, yeah, I'm, like, off the road shooting a bull, and my truck's parked behind me. I'm like. Dang that! Does. So every year you hear that, but that's not going to be. That's the that's exception. Not, yes. Okay, so five years you have not killed an elk yet with a bow. No. Okay. Have you killed anything with your bow? Uh, no. Okay. Have you um Have you tried like shooting grouse with a bow? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, deer. I've shot. Yeah, I've shot at one buck. One buck. Okay. Yeah. okay. Missed him. Shot at. Two elk have missed both elk. Okay. Yeah, you got to get some time in the red zone Noth- with animals. Yeah. Nothing replaces that. I found out, like, trying to do, you know, burpees, squats, anything right before you, under duress shooting. Mm-hmm. I still have not found that one thing for, for me that gets me when that animal's right there. Mm-hmm. My adrenaline spiked. Heart is pounding. Yeah. And I, the only thing I can s- speak to that, and... I'm no expert because I'm still I still get as excited as anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I get more excited on whitetails, believe it or not. I think it's because you're in a tree for so long, so quiet, not moving, barely breathing. Then all of a sudden you go from zero to a million. There's your buck. You're and you got to like get it done right then and there. That's a show. That ain't a shit show, really, for me. Right. But with elk, my backpack's on. I'm already covered in sweat. I've been working, and I'm just like. Heart rate's already kind of up anyways. It's mm-hmm. just a natural process. But um, heart's always pumping. 
Yeah. Always. I can I always feel like the animals might even be able to hear my heart because I can. I can hear it thumping. And uh, one thing I've noticed is that, no, you're right. Like shooting under duress, like train to hunt simulation and, and that kind of stuff. It's not going to be – it's still not the same. But knowing how to control your breathing and working on breathing – I know it sounds so corny, but like if you can work on breathing, I think that – you might be able to get your body to kind of shut off mm-hmm. that autonomic fight or flight and kind of get it simmered down enough to where you right. can at least hold your crap together for a little bit longer. Uh, so being in really, really good shape makes it more like I'm just exposed to a lot of high heart rate, looking for oxygen, under duress, fatigue stuff, not necessarily with a bow, but just from doing all that CrossFit kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I think that'll help your game. So we'll talk fitness in a second. But what I found is guys like you, you look like you're in good shape. You come to an elk shape camp and we absolutely expose you. And you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I feel like that's part of why people need to come to camps is so we can expose your weaknesses so you can like prioritize right. where you have the most opportunity. But breathing is going to be huge uh, and getting more reps in the red zone with animals. And so that means get yourself your little deer tag and shoot a doe. Mm -hmm. And I bet you still get adrenaline spike when you know that this is going to happen. Yeah. Like you literally, every guy says that to themselves right before any type of bow gets drawn back is like, Oh crap, this is happening. You need some time in that where you're like, okay, this doe's coming down. Okay, crap. This is happening. Yeah. It's happening. Start talking to yourself through the process. Um, shot process, right? Yeah. Joel Turner is a really good resource shot IQ. He's going to help out with elk shape camps in 2020, and I'm so stoked because he kind of wears two hats. World champion elk caller. His vocalizations yeah. are insane, and he's got a great approach to elk calling. And number two, he, he teaches shot execution and shot IQ and a controlled shot. Um, have you looked into, into his stuff at all? I've heard people talking about it. I kind of applied it. Never went into his podcast or his uh, website or anything like that, but I, I've heard people talk, you know, Start going through your steps. John Dudley talks about this. Okay. Yeah. Start going through your steps. Yeah. And then, you know, once that animal's in front of you, you have a saying or something. So you're focusing on mm-hmm. that animal and yeah. going through. Yes. That's awesome. But you do you shoot a hinge or a thumb barrel? Or? I switched to a thumb barrel this this off season. Okay. What, w- what thumb barrel? I'm using John Dudley's knock on. Knock on. Knock to it. Knock to it. Yeah. So I believe that thing, you can adjust that barrel yes, so yes. that you can still shoot it like a hinge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever shot a hinge? I've shot, I've never shot a hinge, but I shot the Silverback. That's a spring which, or which a spring is, tension? Is spring tension. Okay. That's good. That's that great. really exposed me because I was really dealing with target panic. Mm-hmm. And Most guys are. Yeah. And in fact, I f- still feel like I have target panic when I'm killing animals. Okay. I just think it's mitigated quite a bit from all the practice of like perfect practice. Yeah. And pulling through it. And having a mantra that I say and talking to myself, not just blanking out. But mm-hmm. if if anyone's like, no, I don't have really, like target panic does exist when you're killing animals. Like there's like you have a window. Yeah. And, you know, I can only think of one time where I had a window and I just couldn't get the shot off. I just sat there as the bear went by, and I, I didn't know how to punch. I just pulled, 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 and I did not. Still wasn't going it off. never went off. Okay, and the animal <laughs> went by. But um, but for the most part, you have a window, mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of target panic. But okay, so it sounds like you're you've thought about these things. I'm gonna suggest super basic: kill more stuff, does, right. come over to Washington, get yourself a Washington hunting license, 
get a, a deer tag, but put in for a second deer, the, the antlerless, mm-hmm. kill two does over here, kill a doe in Idaho, stack your freezer up with some awesome meat, mm-hmm. and kill some stuff. Right. And I think that's where my where I think I could gain a lot is hunting live animals. You know, spring bear, I see that you're spotting and stalking. Absolutely. And, you know, you can get on those and start practicing your craft and getting out there when the weather is in your face, your, yeah. your heart's spiking and going down. And you're reading the wind. Right. You have a backpack on. Mm-hmm. You're also learning new country. Bear hunting's a gift yeah. for us in Idaho because yeah. a lot of bear, spring bear country overlaps really good elk hunting. So I my backpack's full of cameras. I right. love putting out cameras in new areas and finding new bear areas. And I'm here to tell you, Bears are hard on elk calves, man. Like mm-hmm. there's some recent studies that will just back up what I'm saying. So, and it's a big game animal, man. I mean, I was going to say turkey hunt, but like, I'm just super hesitant on turkeys. Like my wife wanted a turkey hunt this year. And I was like, last time you went, I got you a 10 yard shot broadside on an awesome Tom out of a ground blind. Okay. And she punched it. I thought perfect. We didn't find him. Okay. Yeah. So I made her pick up a shotgun this year. So if anyone who's ever killed a turkey with their bow and you didn't take a headshot you shot it like for vitals uh most likely it took more than one arrow so mm-hmm. that's good for for that but i would say yeah graduate get in the mountains do bear hunting you right. have it as a resource mm-hmm. it's over bear the counter every year yeah yeah and there's some great units in this whole area um especially just up north of you like the further north you go in idaho c- closer to canada the bear densities just explode yeah so yeah, kill more stuff. So, so we were talking about, okay, so the whole craft, getting into archery, Dudley's helping you out. You got a great release. You're studying. You're a student. You haven't killed anything yet really in five years, mm-hmm. but you've been close. Um, let's dedicate the rest of this podcast to answering the questions that you've written down okay. and see if we can kind of like – and by the way, I don't know everything, man. I'm still a student. Right. And so we'll work together. I'm, I'll just tell you if I don't have the answer. Um, I do have a lot of time in the mountains, more than most, mm-hmm. in September Yeah, for two decades. So I'll give you what I got. Let's do it. Okay. First question I have is that I've been hunting in the same spot for the past four seasons slash five seasons. That first season, I don't really count. Yeah. But I've gotten to know this area very well. But the hunting gets worse later on the season. How do you – with pressure and mm-hmm. how do you find new areas to hunt? Mm. when the pressure gets gets tough. Yeah. Being married to that one spot that's proven, I think most guys are guilty of that. That's me. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to somebody not too long ago. I don't really hunt the same drainage more than a day. Okay. Um, I like to have double-digit drainages to bounce in and to from. And it may sound odd, but like I let's say I had a pretty good bugling day in a, in a drainage. Mm-hmm. Most guys would head right back the next day. And sometimes I will, but most times I won't. I would like to, to put it on ice for a day, not mess with them. I don't want them to smell me or smell me strongly or just a little, just want to give them a day to do their thing. Unless I know like there's some impeding weather, okay. but, uh, what's gotten me better and better at that is wolves. A lot of times my, my best drainages will be wolfed out. And I mean, if I see a fresh wolf track or wolf wolf crap right in the trail, and I haven't even heard them howl yet, I'm out. I'm just literally going back to my truck or dirt bike, 
on to the next one. So in Idaho, there's a lot of roads. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it. Yeah. I wish access was more limited. But yeah. we're in logging country. Mm-hmm. There's gates. People don't always follow the rules. Sometimes gates are open. Everybody's got a four-wheeler. Yeah. But not everybody's got a dirt bike. Yeah. I hate telling you, this, but the truth is a dirt bike will separate you from some advanced crowds. Okay. Because I can get into really far places on a dirt bike. I can ride some really ridiculous trails that are only open to hiking, horses, or dirt bike or mountain bike. Single track. Yeah. Yeah. The single track's where it's at. I'll get myself in trouble because more guys will get dirt bikes. But that's the bottom line. So that's one thing is mobility is what I – a lot of what I hinge on for having success is just being able to bounce around from drainage to drainage. Um, I don't really hunt from a truck. When you were first starting, how did you find those drainages? Were you just driving around in the off-season going for hikes? Yeah. So my brother-in-law is a really good dirt bike rider, and he had ridden a lot of the trails in the Coeur d'Alene's, the Clearwater, the St. Joe – up by Priest Lake, up there in units 1-1, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So the Panhandle's nine units. Almost every unit has single track. So he he already knew a lot of trails. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to get a dirt bike. I d- could care less to ride for fun. I want to learn how to ride so I can hunt off one. And he's like, okay. So we just spent several summers just riding trails. And I carried a GPS with me. I didn't have Onyx Hunt at the time. I couldn't, like, use the the GPS as good as I can now. So mm-hmm. I would just in the summer, I would ride trails or in the spring, I would ride trails, bear hunt off of them and look for old rubs and look for clues of a rut that took place there, you know? Yeah. And the, that's what I do. I, f- I find little seeps. I find wallows. Um, when I go riding, I don't just put on riding boots and a chest protector and a helmet. I'm wearing Kinetrek boots. I'm wearing a backpack full of cameras uh, binos. I'm there to scout. Yeah. And so my brother-in-law and I don't ride together anymore because he's there to ride as many miles as possible, as fast as possible. (laughs) I'm not, I'm there to like, Whoa, where's this saddle go? Mm -hmm. You know, I've never, you know, so I think you have to scout. You have to spend time in the country and learn more. And then if let's say you're at a place and you you're it's hunting season, you got to pick a night where you stay up late, like maybe all night and you pitch bugles at night because Almost all elk are up feeding at night, mm-hmm. especially this year when we had that full moon right in the middle of September. Yeah. That that was not good for us. Those elk were way ahead of schedule. Every time we got out in the mornings, they were already bedded, which is not – like we're used to working them till 9 or 10. That's usually how late most elk will wait to bed. Okay. So have you ever bugled at night? I actually, this year was the first year and I got it from you. Okay. You know, I've heard you say that multiple times. You need to be out there mm-hmm. and, uh, solo hunting mm-hmm. by myself. I was like, I'm doing this. You have to. Yeah. So I'm like, I know this area very well. Okay. I can get out of here. Yeah. So I'm, I, I told myself I'm staying out as long as it takes till I hear the bugles. And that was actually one of the closest nights that I got as close to the bulls I did. Um, sitting on top of this drainage. I let a locator bugle 10 minutes before dark. Yep. And 100 yards behind me, he screams. Mm-hmm. I'm, I got enough time to get on him. Yes, you do. Worked him 10 minutes, and he pushed off away from me. Must yeah. have heard me coming. Dropping bottom of the drainage. Mm-hmm. I was within 50 yards of him. Oh, yeah. Screaming his head off. And you need that every day to be successful in Idaho, that brush country. Mm-hmm. 
if you're not having an interaction with a bull like that every day, you're not going to get it done. Yeah. It's not, it's got to be every day. So if you don't have elk, if you don't know where they're at, or if you don't know where to find them, Mm -hmm. you're in trouble. Like you need to know, like you, I've always said anything I've written or said was like, you need to have elk picked out to hunt the next day. Period. You don't get to go to bed. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get to stay up all night and sleep from 10 a.m. to 5, to 5 p.m. like the elk do. Mm-hmm. But that's a good program. Find some good road systems where about every mile you can pull over, turn your truck off, shut the door quietly, wait 10 minutes, throw out a bugle, throw out a bugle, throw out a bugle, maybe mm-hmm. two or three minutes apart, all locator, non-aggressive. If you don't hear anything, you're on to the next spot. The roads are everywhere up here, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to find your elk that way. It's yeah. not it's not easy, but no. it's it's mandatory. So I can't emphasize enough: don't go to bed till you have elk to hunt the next day. Especially if you like already hammered your go-to spot, mm-hmm. bro. Put it on ice. Yeah, get to the other spot. Yeah, and I think that's what's going on because I know there's elk there. I got mm-hmm. cameras in there. Mm-hmm. I know they're not leaving. I just know they're not talking. Mm. And so trying to find them when they're not talking. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I get a little too aggressive maybe with my calling. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not. I I don't know. haven't been there. but Oh, you definitely can. In fact, I would say I'm guilty of overly being aggressive as far as the sounds of my bugles. Mm-hmm. I, Phelps has got a, the rival. I think it's like their smaller bugle tube. Yeah. I left that. I wish I had had that all season. You see that big-ass bugle Phelps tube? Mm-hmm. I was probably intimidating most of the bulls that I was working with that thing. Just giving them nasty challenge bugles when i got in type and they just did not like that you know and i'm having the same thing and i i don't know if that's i started trying to tone down my bugles not trying to sound so mature or so aggressive and um i because i would just keep pushing these bulls that's you good know, I though get, i get within 100 yards i feel maybe i'm not maybe i'm not within that 100 yard mark mm-hmm. maybe they're 200 yards but um i can They'll be bugling back at me, but they'll just keep pushing away. Yeah. Pushing away. And um, I'll have a satellite slip in on me twice this year. and Silent, right? Silent. Yep. Come in, check out, back out. Yep. I would say, you know, that's a really common thing. When the guy's got a bull answering him and he's getting further away, further away, the wind, how, how pressured has that bull been? How many other hunters has he smelled? How many wolves have messed with him? Like, you don't know. But it's probably not your calling, okay? Mm-hmm. It's other things too. Your best bet is to get as close to an elk as possible before you rake a tree or let out a bugle or a cow call okay. or any vocal. So you just need to maybe work on getting closer and closer. This is a solo elk hunter talking to a solo elk hunter. Okay. Getting as close as possible for giving away your location is critical. You might be just too far apart, giving him time to like – Think about, mm, I don't want to go in. Like, if you can get in so tight where they don't have time to think, they got to react, mm-hmm. that's when bulls die. As far as, like, them going away further, 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 a lot of times that's when you ice them and you just don't call back to them and you try to, like, figure out the direction they're headed and try to, like, make a big loop and get out in front of them. They're going to eventually bugle at you and you're going to figure out kind of, okay, they'll, they're going to rebed, so to speak, but they're going to want to know where you're at. I call that turning the tables a little bit when they're mm-hmm. now bugling to find you. So that's tough, getting in tight on elk that want to go away or, you know. So recap, get as close as you can before you give away your location. 
maybe start with raking before even a bugle. Mm-hmm. Um, go lighter on the bugles. Sound squeakier, you know. Okay. Cut your bugle tube in half. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm being serious. Like these are all newer tactics that we're gonna have to employ. These elk are pretty educated. Right. Yeah, and that's what I actually end up losing that big bugle tube mm-hmm. and bought the rival. And you, you can definitely take out that that deep gurgly sound out of that. So I'm gonna be using that this next year. Okay. Yeah, I will too in Idaho. I'm yeah. not literally. I'm gonna use the smallest tube I can. Right. So. I wanted to tell you about my last day of hunting. It was probably my best day of hunting. Okay. Archery elk hunting. And um, what was the date? It was September 22nd. That's the best day of the year every year. Yeah. It's my dad's birthday. Okay. I've killed more bulls on that day than any day. Oh, it came so close that day. Um, hiked up this knife ridge mm-hmm. where we got, have got, I've gotten on this same bull, come to find out it was the same bull, two other times. Mm-hmm. He loved this drainage. I guess that was his drainage. Um, got up inside there, soaking wet, mm-hmm. let out a locator bugle, nothing quiet. 30 seconds goes by. He's screaming a couple hundred yards up the, at the top of the mountain. Wind was jamming downhill. Mm-hmm. So I got the loot, the wind right, started working my way up to him and he's bugling every minute. I heard. I probably heard the same bull bugle fifty times within half an hour. No other bulls are bugling at him. No. Is it a herd he, gathering bugle? He's. Yeah, it might have been. It well, you would know screwing. if it was. It would yeah. be a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, but if he's just bugling, he might be just letting everybody know what's up. That's what. He, uh, that's what I felt like he was okay. doing. He was just screaming to scream, and uh, got the wind right. Got on this really good elk trail. Got the wind. Perfect. I'm, I'm sneaking to him. I have never didn't make another elk call. Perfect. I'm walking down this trail. He's a couple hundred yards uphill. I hear a couple twigs pop, and I look down the same trail, mm-hmm. and all I see is antlers walking towards me. Perfect. Knock an arrow, draw back. This bull, 15 yards away, he stops behind a tree in the thick brush. Yeah. And I'm just holding. He's kind of bobbing his head looking for me, and I'm just not making a sound. And it felt forever, but it was probably a minute mm-hmm. at full draw. He kind of just turns around and walks away, never was able to present a shot. The brush was too thick. And I cow called at him a couple times, and he just kind of walked off. I kind of I tried to get on him again, Yeah. and he just pushed off away from me. Yeah. He didn't care about my cow calls or anything like that. Nope. Meanwhile, it's because he didn't see what he should have saw. Right. And they know that's education as well. They've, they've had that happen. Mm-hmm. And that is Idaho, northern Idaho. You have to just deal with the fact that you can be 10 to 20 yards from an elk, and you can't get a shot. Right. That's why I said you need to almost have that happen every day because one of those times you'll actually have a window. Your luck will change. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just what it boils down to is mm-hmm. getting that encounter every day. And I forgot to mention when you asked me about these elk, like sneaking in on you. My, bud, my buddy Bucky, he's a stud elk hunter. He was taking his dad out this year. He's 68. And he said, you know – Probably one of the harder years than I can ever remember with the rain, the full moon, mm-hmm. and the elk tags being sold out. There was just hunters on every ridge. He's like, but we've never called in more elk than this year, than years past. And I was like, really? Explain. And the bottom line is, is he was calling for his dad. His dad's 68. He's had back surgeries, knee surgeries. And he, his dad literally could not go hard. And so Bucky said, all the places that 
they called in elk were places that he would have just thrown out a call, nothing, kept going. Move on. But his dad needed these breaks mm-hmm. pretty often. So they would set up, and Bucky would just kind of do a soft muse and cold call stuff. Okay. But they'd stay in one spot for 45 minutes to an hour. And he said his dad literally had five or six shot opportunities. Wow. Because they were kind of handicapped with his physical, but it actually worked in their advantage. So that's something to put in your back pocket for next year. Right. Is um, I'm always talking about blow past places that aren't elk aren't there, and I still believe in that. But I'm going to start slowing down in places where elk should be mm-hmm. and give them a little more time. Because these elk, I think, are going to start coming in more and more quietly because that's how they've stayed alive. Right. You know, yeah. you think about a bull that's – Two and a half, three and a half, four and a half years old. How many um, hunting encounters have they had with just actual man in those short window? Probably a few. And yeah. their their mentors, their moms, their dads, their cousins, how many have they had? Mm-hmm. How many times have they been a part of running away from a pack of wolves because somebody bugled or made a vocalization? You know, they're starting. This is my theory. I think they're starting to adapt, right? evolve to where they're at. And man has more access than ever up here where you're hunting. There's not a lot of sanctuary. So Yeah, yeah, there's roads and you know the everywhere. F- yeah, the farthest I could get from a road or a trail is a few miles. You know. Sounds about I, right. I'm about four miles deep mm-hmm. in the farthest points. It might be eleven mile day, but it's you know, four miles deep and we're covering ridges. So next year I want you to let sit you know, if you're gonna do some calling or whatever mm-hmm. and you don't you said you just nothing's answering you. But you see the sign, let things, let's see what happens in the next 45 minutes to an hour. Unless you got some bull screaming yeah. or pushing cows and you need to get out in front of them. I think cold calling, and by the way, it's my least favorite. I, it's not why I signed up for elk hunting. Mm-hmm. I want to pick a fight with a bull. That's yeah. what I live for. And I heard you on the last podcast say that you were thinking about tree stand hunting. Yes. And I was thinking that same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't, it's not sound sexy to me no, at all. No, and that's not why I got into elk hunting either. You know, hearing these guys talk about these bulls just running in with their eyes rolled back, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, man, I want to experience that. I've yet to experience that. I've only elk hunted in North Idaho, but I've yet to experience the running in, mm. you know. Yeah, l- usually it only happens a, a day or two a year mm-hmm. with a hot cow. Yeah. Mm. I never had a bull really come in hot 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 to trot Mm -hmm. but i also i hunt elk i'm weird elk hunter i i try to intercept i don't call a lot Mm -hmm. um and i'm I'm hunting specific bulls so that's why i was talking about tree stand hunting if you're not hunting specific bulls you might not want to do that okay um you might want to do a little have a plan to maybe put a stand over a wallow or in a saddle where you know they're going to cross maybe early season or if it's the hunting pressure picks up in your in this primary spot you have, yeah, not a bad idea, not a bad idea at all. Especially right. if there's some pinch points, why not? Mm-hmm. No, if you're just trying to kill any elk, first elk, you might want to be mobile. Right. So the only reason I'm going to sit set up a couple stands is I'm hunting two specific bulls that might die of old age. Okay. Unless somebody gets lucky as shit yeah. and kills them, but they're just they do they're weird smart. stuff. Yeah. And that's what kept them alive. But uh, no, man, I think. It wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's what I've noticed is that um I I love hiking and just getting off and getting out deep in the woods. And I never did that before. My first year, well, you know, that half season I hunted with my dad and we're hunting 
like we hunt whitetail right off the, not right off the road, but within, you know, half a mile or so. Mm-hmm. And we're still hunting, being quiet. Oh. And then not working. And then I run into a buddy that I did, uh, um, we did firefighting together. Mm-hmm. And we started talking. And he's like, oh, you're into archery? I started doing archery too. Like, have you been successful? No, but let's try it out. And he grew up backpacking with his family and just going for a whole weekend just backpacking. And so he's actually one that he opened my eyes big time. That first weekend of elk hunting, he just broke me mm-hmm. hiking into our spot. And I'm like, oh, this is what it is. And we, I was hearing a bull bugle in this drainage, that drainage. And I'm like, okay, got to get off the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what, but you got to be in shape for this. You can't mm-hmm. just, just go for the weekend. Yeah. And you got to be more mentally fit than physically. They both parallel each other, but mm-hmm. man, you got to want it. Yeah. And you got to push through some pain. You got to have some, just some grit to do it. Uh, backpack hunting is where it's at. On X hunt off, you know, wilderness roadless area, the Randy Newberg roadless area, mm-hmm. pure gold, man. Yeah. Bust that later out. And that's where you should go. Yeah. And a lot of guys will say they'll do that, but give them a couple of days. They'll mm-hmm. be out of there. Oh yeah. And that's the difference maker for successful people will be who can withstand the, the downpour rain. Yeah. Stuck in a tent for 14 hours waiting for that rain to break or, you know, just quiet elk. I want to go back to base camp or I want to go home for, a, you know, mm-hmm. you got to be able to stay out and grind. All right. Let's get to your next question, man. Okay. I got one. Once, once you locate a bull and all these questions are for North Idaho. Okay. Once, once you locate a bull, what is your next move? Assuming that like you haven't had a bugle yet. So this is your first bugle back. Right. Okay. Oh, I kind of want to know his temperature. Okay. So it depends on how far the bugle is too. But usually it's way down on the bottom of a hole, right? Usually. Okay. Yeah. So yep. you're on top of a ridge. That's where you can stay high and locate. Mm-hmm. You can hear better. That's why you're up there. The bull's down there. That's a good safe place for him. That's why he's down there. Um, I probably give it a minute or two and throw out another bugle just to see, does he wait two minutes to answer? Does he answer at all? Right. Is he moving? Is he feeding? Is he, is that where they're going to be for the day? Are they in transition? What time of day is it? Uh, there's a lot of factors to go into that, but let's just say it's late morning. He's kind of there for the day. Great. He may be in a spot on the mountain where the wind really never does switch. So then you got to figure out how to get in on his level. Um, but but usually he'll, he'll be in a spot where he's got a bench or a shelf or something where he's bedded. He may have cows. He may be a satellite to a herd bull. Bottom line is, is you got to wait for the right wind before you start working your way to him. And you're not going to bugle your way to him. You're not going to call all the way down to him. That's a mistake. Yeah, okay? I think I did that for the first. This was the first year that uh, I was like, "Do not do that." <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Go. <laughs> but I think you could like listen. To anyone who's really good at elk hunting, like your Corey Jacobsons and guys like that, I think they would probably do the same thing as far as wait, mm-hmm. get the proper wind, get as close as possible before you make your first vocalization. And ideally, you're gonna have to come in from above when the thermal switch. Mm-hmm. assuming he's down in a bottom which which is good but 
you're going to have to not be above them when you make your first vocalization because I don't think a bull's going to want to go uphill at a bull that's challenging them or even, but if you can get above them and then slowly work to where you're on the same level elevation wise where they can go laterally, the odds are a lot more in your favor for him to actually come in. It's tough not to bump elk though. So you want to get as close as you can without bumping, especially if he's got cows but like honestly, if 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 he bugled a few more times on his own, that would be even better. Mm-hmm. Where you could really pinpoint. But if I just get a bull to answer me, I need to know exactly where he's at before I start making any moves. So I'll wait a few minutes, sound off again. Hopefully he answers right on top of me. Hopefully I'm like literally there you are. And I, a lot of times I'll drop a pin on Onyx okay. with you know satellite imagery overlay to where I think he's exactly at, throw the uh, topography over so I can figure out the best route to get not winded and get as close to on his level as possible before I start a sequence of probably a cow call, a cow call, maybe some raking. Like I'll probably more slow play stuff than just throw out a a challenge bugle as soon as he answers me, you know, used to work, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. as good as it used to. Yeah. And I think maybe I, uh, I think, you made two good points what I'm doing wrong in those situations. I think um, I stopped obviously calling as I'm going to, mm-hmm. but when I finally get set up and I think I know where the bull is within a hundred yards, I'm calling when I'm above them. Mm-hmm. And I think you make a, that's a good point is to get on their level. If you were an elk, you would not, and you were going to like square off with another bull, mm-hmm. you'd want advantage to be higher because you have gravity, momentum. You can come down and kick ass. Mm-hmm. A bull can kick your ass if he's above you and he can start charging downhill at you. Mm-hmm. Um, elk really want to see also. So they can kind of see uphill pretty good. But if you're on a lateral, like if you're on the same elevation, they kind of have to come right to you to see you. Okay. And it seems like elk always want to see if they can't see, then they want to smell. And if they can't smell, they're pretty much going to, you know, hold up. So yeah. Cause you're calling solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that everything I'm talking about is solo elk hunting. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you had a a calling partner, your your tactics may change. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm mainly a solo hunter, um, just because you know me and my buddy try to line up our vacations as best we can. Yeah, but you're you're trying to play that, you know, with two families and kids and wives. Yeah, and jobs. So yeah, mainly solo hunting, and that's what I find. Call and move. I've I've heard you say that probably a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Call and move, call and move. You can't be wherever you left your last sound mm-hmm. if you're going solo. Yeah. Which is so weird, but it's like, it's just a habit now. Yeah. But if, I'm sure that's just something that people don't think about, but man, they'll pinpoint your ass. Yeah. And I, I feel like this was the year for me to kill a bull if I had a caller. It was such a frustrating year. I got on elk almost every day I was out there, mm-hmm. some kind of interaction, but they would just hang up or just push off. And I was no, no, no way I could sneak in on an elk without him hearing me. Yeah, no, and I think sneaking in is is tough. It's mm-hmm. nice when a bull, like a herd bull, will have satellites and they're doing the talking to each other. Yeah, where you can kind of move in and get tight on them and wait for something to happen. Maybe be near a cow that he's going to eventually get up and scent check. You know, because the mm-hmm. bulls will try to see who's who's hot. Yeah, are any of them hot or whatever, and. Having a caller is no guarantee, man. So don't think like, okay. man, if I just had a caller, I would be. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. But I still like in Idaho to to not call very much at all. 
and to just put calls away and get in on elk and let them, you know, make mistakes on their own. You know, that's the most ideal high probability with these educated elk. You know, you get into some other states where there's just less tags, less pressure, less access, less wolves. Mm -hmm. I think calling is a lot better. Honestly, it really is. So, like, look at Wyoming. Man, I was in and out. It was not. It was not Idaho. It yeah. was definitely remote. Mm-hmm. There was better densities, less predation, higher density of elk, man. Yeah. Like, there was more competition. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's get into your next one. Yeah. Well, I, I think you you jumped on a couple of them, and that was one of mine. Do you call a lot trying to locate elk in the, in northern Idaho, or are you listening a lot? Oh, okay. And, that, and I think you kind of covered that. Yeah, no. We always uh, will do a locator bugle but uh, this year more than ever i stopped doing locator bugles and i did more locator cow calls which maybe that's against the grain i just Mm -hmm. found more bulls responding to a cow call than they did a bugle Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like a weird way to go but just to throw out a a loud social mew okay or or even a lost cow sound Mm -hmm. that's loud not with a diaphragm raid but with like one of those phelps like actual easy estrus yes okay it's they're loud yeah and so I would always start there before I do a locator bugle towards about mid season on. Now I called in, I think I, I think I said six bulls within the first couple of days and those were all slow play call-ins and those were all raggy bulls that just, um, had cows. It was weird, but I've seen that more and more and more in Idaho specifically. Okay. Yeah. And that to me is just herd sizes have to be smaller for survival, Yeah. which allows younger bulls to have a few cows. Which the, you talk about a big, mature, 300-plus bull is already a greedy lover. Mm-hmm. Well, how greedy is a little 5x5 five five who's got a couple cows? He's super like he's super nervous. In fact, he's paranoid about mm-hmm. losing his cows. Yeah. Because he was with the homies in the summer. They sparred. He knew where he's, he, you know, he knew the pecking order. So yeah. it's just you got to evolve. And so going back to like Bucky, what Bucky was saying was super insightful. Yeah, I think guys in North Idaho specifically, and this will work in other states too, need to change their tactics. Like, mm-hmm. um, ultimately, my biggest mistake this year was not moving. I talked about moving spots. I need to move further. Um, one of my good buddies, Chad, I'm going to get him on the podcast. He's one of the guys who like taught me a lot about elk hunting my early years. I mean, a lot. You want to talk about having a mentor? Mm-hmm. He spent just a few days with me and fast forward my success massively. It's all he knows. And he was just kind of lecturing me last week when he was like, yeah, Dan, your season, you're not moving far enough. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm like getting in my truck, going five miles and going to a complete different drain. And she's like, yeah, no, because he's hunted in units that have had wolves longer. He was like, we move 10 to 15 square miles when we move. Okay. He's like, you you just got to get completely away from any wolf sign. And you're going to, that's where you're going to have elk doing what elk should be doing. So that was probably my downfall was I I would move, but not far enough. I would move complete different basins and drainages and find some elk, but they just didn't want to play the way that I'm used to. Yeah. So next year I, I do need to move further when I'm hunting in Idaho specifically. Okay. So Yeah, and that's one of them is like just finding new hunting areas, and I think that's top priority on my list. It should a be. Of, a lot of spring and summer scouting. Yes. Yeah. And Idaho's cool. There's elk in every unit in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. There really is. And so 
traveling great distances, it's, it's a normal thing. Like Dirk Durham, the bugler, mm-hmm. he, he'll drive 50 miles from morning to the next morning to hunt out. Like he likes to go far. And I, I mm-hmm. think that's more and more what guys should probably do is cover more ground. Covering more ground. Yeah, hunt completely different areas yeah. until you find an area that hasn't been messed with as much by hunters or wolf. Okay. And uh, that'll help. And then when you're looking at scouting and finding the sign and stuff, a trail camera's cool, and, and I get it. And maybe finding some water sources and wallows and some rubs, but you don't know until you're at the actual hunting season. Right. I got places this year I was in where we've literally – there's. That's where they rut. Mm-hmm. This is where they all go. And they weren't there. And they've been there year after year for years. They just weren't there. It took us days to figure out, well, where did they go? Mm-hmm. They moved like three or four drainages over. That's wolf. That was wolf-related. Okay. So, And those elk had been messed with. So we should have probably just left them mm-hmm. and gone find other elk. So I'm going to expand my areas big time. Seriously. And how am I going to do that? A lot of Google earthing, a lot of layering roadless, a lot of time on the dirt bike. I'm going to sprinkle cameras. I'm going to shed hunt. I'm going to bear hunt. I'm going to huckleberry pit. I'm going to spend time in the mountains. And so for guys like you that live here, you just need to spend more time in the mountains and bring your family, include them. Yeah. And if your guys are on a weekend camping trip, well, you got to figure out how to sneak away or take them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, cover more ground. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, um, where I'm hunting, I don't know if it's, uh, like a little special spot or whatever, but the farther you get in, you can get really deep in this mm-hmm. roadless area. And that's what I was going to ask you as a solo hunter. Do you ever like, okay, this is too far. If I get something down or you just like, nope, I'm going. I've always thought about it. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a spot I was in this year. I was like, shoot, I've never been back this far. If I get one, it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But I have the time to get it out. Yeah. I have the time to get it out. I can find a creek. I can find shade. I can get the meat there. I can get it high off the ground, whatever. One foot in front of the other, you can get the meat out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have some friends, you can get a hold of them. Worst case scenario. You find somebody with stock and you pay them yeah. to get the meat out because that's, that's ultimately what you're looking But I don't think – like hunt limitless and how you do that is that should never go in your mind. Well, what if I get an elk down here? Well, find out mm-hmm. and see how it goes. Because, yeah, I know that the way this, this particular drainage goes, there's a big loop and you can get up high, make a big circle, and then mm-hmm. back to the road again. Mm-hmm. And it's an 11-mile hike. Yes. Get up to 15 in certain spots behind it. If you're looking on it on X, it's the purple area. It's deep in the woods. Great. And I'm like, that's where I want to go. But I'm like, solo. Okay. Yeah. So you maybe throw a tent in the backpack and just definitely go. backpack in there. Bivy hunt. Mm-hmm. If you kill one in there, have done the research, get a hold of some stock. Don't lose meat because you're an asshole and weren't in shape, mm. or you shot something so far away that it realistically you can't get it out. Like, right. Th- that could be a reality. And so I don't want anyone listening to this going, man. Dan said, shoot him wherever. And, and that like, <laughs> no, I mean, you have to be able to realistically get it out. Yeah. And I feel like I can, but I also have people I could call if I needed to. And my dad has two horses so that I, that really I have resources, yeah. but if you didn't, you know, then you owe it to the animal. And if you weren't in shape, you owe it to the animal. So, right. 
I mean, double-edged sword there, but to mm-hmm. me, in my mind, there is no okay. There's no limitations, and I hope there is none for you. Yeah, and that's what I, I found out. Um, this elk season, I was like, I'm going to go in the, this season in the best shape of my life. Yes. I'm going to go after it. So I just crushed it this winter. What would you do, spring, man? Spring, doing high-intensity type of CrossFit workouts, lots of uh, box jumps with squats, sprint on the treadmill, back over it again and i'll have like a three different workout routine and that's three rounds or four rounds of that and let's jump to the next one all you for know. elk hunting right all for elk hunting i love you man. Uh, my my wife's like your motivation is for elk hunting and i said yes that's my go it's not that's my why right now it is yeah it's such a powerful why Mm-hmm. because you could be a, such a better husband because you're in shape and you have endorphins right and you have discipline to do the fitness and to do the nutrition you, everything is like snowballing because you got this elk addiction. Yeah, and I haven't even beautiful. been successful yet, and it's got its claws into me. It's gonna so drive to speak. you. It's gonna drive you further. Uh, I, that's all I think about. You're telling. You're retelling my story. Right. Like I literally couldn't get it done, and it drove me mad. Mm-hmm. And it made me everything even get more disciplined and more priority to where. These things become habits. They become who you are. Right. And anyone that knows me knows all I talk about is elk hunting. So this year, I, I just tightened up my nutrition, you know, just eating whole foods, not particularly on a, any type of diet. I did the keto diet for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I felt like I just wasn't getting any strength, but here, that's here or there. Um, but I went after the cardio, and I just you have to tried to just go as hard as I could. What do you think um, you could step up your – fitness from this year to next year oh yeah where do you feel like where's a glaring weakness just physically well i felt like my cardio was there this year good but my strength was starting to tinker off towards the end of the season so i think i want to lift heavier while doing intervaling the cardio yeah add the strength component in with the conditioning right you can get double bang for your buck it is possible Mm -hmm. um compound movements big movements that invite a lot of muscles to the party um, things that, uh, push, pull, squat, you know, it's, yeah. it's not rocket science, but it is also important that, you know, nutritionally, you're not packing around any extra weight that you don't need. It makes a huge difference. Do you feel like you're good there? No, I would realistically, I would like to lose 10 more pounds, 10 more, but 10, t- more, 10 more pounds of fat, but also gain 10 more pounds. So it's probably Certainly. stay at the weight, but lose the 10, you know, 10 pounds of fat. How are you going to measure that? Slash manage that. Oh, there's a couple shops in the Coeur d'Alene area that have the um, drawing a blank on the an in body. Yeah, of it's some an in body scan, okay, yeah. right? Yeah, and they and they'll measure that for you. Cool. And when they when they first showed me how much fat I had in my body, I was like, wow. Do you remember what your visceral was too? My visceral was pretty low. That's good. Visceral was good, but it was like we put everybody at Elk Shape Camp in an in body scanner mm-hmm. just so they have their like you. I know that they can measure it. They'll, right. They'll try to manage it. Um, That's really good to hear. The keto will work for a handful of people, right. but, yeah. but most people won't long-term. Yeah. I lost a lot of fat yeah. off of it, Yeah, but I felt like I didn't gain any strength at all. It's just everyone's different. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out. There's no magic. I will say that if I was a dietitian, which I am not, uh, and there's a difference. Anyone can be a nutritionist, but to be a dietitian, you have to like – Literally take the test and be, mm-hmm. you know, have, I would assume a dietetics, some sort of degree. Mine's an exercise physiology. But I would say that 
if I was, there'd be very few people I would put on keto. Okay. Because I don't think that you can just cut carbohydrates out of your life mm-hmm. and never come back to them. Most yeah. people will eventually slip up, and there's always exceptions. But you got to find something that's just going to be a way of life. It's realistic. It's a long term. It's a low trajectory mm-hmm. that you, that's going to be for the long term. So if you were to tweak anything going forward on nutrition to drop those 10 pounds of fat, shrink 10 pounds of fat cells, mm-hmm. and all the while maintain, if not gain, the size of your muscle cells, packing on lean body tissue, which only is going to speed up your metabolism, what would you do? Um, add more protein. I, I've talked to a couple um, couple uh, personal trainers, and they said – they looked at my nutrition. They're just like, yeah, I mean, you, you're not eating enough protein. Yeah. You, you, know, you need to get more protein in your body. So that that's number one. And then um, just stay more disciplined, not mm-hmm. giving in. I don't have a sweet tooth at all, but when something tastes good – it's hard for me to say no. Oh, yeah. yeah. This okay. Yeah. And you have kids, so you know, there's always over. dog crap in your cupboards oh, right. with kids. Yeah. Not that that's an excuse. It's just it is what it is. Um, and, and moderation's so hard, but mm-hmm. especially for someone like me, I'm I'm kind of all or none. Yeah. I don't have hobbies, man. I elk hunt and work out. Right. So I'm over here trying to make a living doing both because I just i am so into both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, add more protein, but don't be a jerk about it and have two grams of protein for every pound of your body and have horrible high-protein gas. Y'all know what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, that's where your body doesn't assimilate mm-hmm. all those aminos and eventually, you know, that's a bad recipe. But you have to figure out what the, where's the sweet spot. Where the happy medium is. is okay. Yeah. And, and when are when is carbohydrates best for you? And what type of training are you doing? Are you glycolytic? Are you doing like high-intensity stuff where – you are using stored carbs in your muscle as a primary fuel source, or are you doing these long, slow, intense hikes where fat? That's why everybody loses shrinks fat cells elk hunting. Mm-hmm. It's not a high intensity deal. Yeah, you're just in a fat burning zone all the time, all day. But you're gonna stop eventually and go back to work. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna gain it back fast. Ask my dad; he does it every year. Sorry, dad, <laughs> throw him under the bus. You know, so the high intensity stuff I'm really into. Yeah, and that's where I, I've always go back in it because it kind of reminds me of sports. Yeah, you know, and I, I I don't just like lifting bench press. I'm just gonna do chest today. I'm just gonna do yeah. shoulders, and it, it's it's just really boring to me. And so being able to throw, you know, some box jumps in there, some squats, Certainly. deadlifts, um, some pull ups, and just making it interval training and as fast as I can. I've always wanted to join a CrossFit gym, just still haven't bit the bullet and went in. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just take what I see and just add it into my yeah. workouts. And, um, where do you train at? I used to go to peak in Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. and, uh, now we just got a gym membership at fuel fitness, fuel fitness. Yeah. Do they have things there? Yeah, as they have, they, they and actually, bumpers and yeah, they have a lot Cool. really. It's a smaller gym, but everything's brand new and they have a lot of free weights. They have an, uh, a rogue, um, bike. They got a rogue bike. Yeah. That so, thing's the devil. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm ready for that. Cause the one I was using, before it's kind of like an older style. You sure, know, you know those fan, you know. those rogue fan bikes are no joke. Yeah, I like that. Um, I got a friend in Coeur d'Alene. He's a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. He's a coach at CrossFit Coeur d'Alene. His name is Matt Anderson. Man, mm-hmm. hire him. Yeah, just say Matt, make me a program for five weeks. Teach me what to do. Pay him his money, mm-hmm. and then you have the program, and you can go, go, go. Yeah. Um, People do our 21 Days to Elk Shape program. It's CrossFit, but it's yeah. very home gym based. Okay. 
And uh, the reason why I promote it is because you can test and then you retest at the end. What did you accomplish in 21 days? And the only reason I made it 21 days is because I know that it, people have short attention spans. 21 days is pushing it for somebody to really buckle down. And I have them doing something every day, even rest days. There's things to do so you don't like let the momentum you have your foot on the gas pedal for th- for three weeks. Now, and that's what I was going to ask you, too, about your 21-day elk shape. Um, being a truck driver, yeah. staying overnight in hotels two nights a week, yeah. long days. Yeah. Is there days in there that can work with that kind of schedule? I think so. Okay. Bring a backpack. Buy a sandbag or make a good one. Mm-hmm. I have a brute force one. I just got it recently. Before that, I was like I made my own sandbag. But I have a brute force one. All you need is a backpack and a sandbag. And you're and you're balling on that program. Okay, you can figure it out. Um, I, th- it's been a while since I've looked at it. I created it over a year ago, but basically, yeah, there's a it's very minimalist type stuff. Now, if you can right. do it at a gym, it's ideal because we have back squats in there. Okay, and if you, if you just have a sandbag to back squat, that's what you have. Yeah, but if you have a barbell, even better, or dumbbells or what mm-hmm. have you. But no, man, and I'm gonna make more programs. I I'm just waiting for feedback. I've gotten quite a bit. I'll make more programs, but I, if you came outside right now, I'll show you my garage gym. I'm building it, and it's yeah, I've seen piece your YouTube by channel. piece. Yeah, just yeah. slowly building it, and uh, I really like training at home. It really works with having a young family. Yeah, it really does. And a lot of guys can't afford a CrossFit gym membership, 150 bucks a month. And a lot of people say they can't, and they could if they didn't go out for coffee every day. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just where you put your priorities at. But uh, bottom line is. CrossFit t- style circuit mm-hmm. training, high intensity works. Bodybuilding, segmenting body parts gives you segmented results. Try to change my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for we as hunters, that's our why. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if I have a six pack. I care that I can keep up with a herd bull. Right. Uh, I will find out though that the more I CrossFit and the more I can keep up with the herd bull, the easier it is for me to have a six pack. Uh, but that's not what I'm chasing. I'm not pursuing aesthetics. Mm -hmm. I'm pursuing performance and the aesthetics are chasing me. It's kind of like money. Those that are like chasing money usually don't catch it, but those that chase their passion, money starts chasing them. You know what I mean? And I feel like that analogy is important. So let's talk about finances real quick. So you're a truck driver, truck driver. How are you guys doing with your financial goals as do you and your wife communicate? Yeah, quite a bit. Does she work? Uh, she actually just quit her job because she's getting ready to go into the nursing program. Where at? In IC. That's where my wife, Alicia, went. Okay. And uh, that's a great career. Yeah. Does she want to be a full-time nurse? Yep. Okay. That's outstanding. So your kids are going to be in the age where they're going to be in school by the time she's done with yes. the nursing program. And I think you have to precept, which is kind of like intern as a nurse for a little bit. And then you're there's a demand. Yeah. People are getting old, man. Uh-huh. Does she know what kind of nursing she wants to do? Uh, she's gone back and forth. She labor and delivery is high on her list right now. That would be awesome. Yeah. So at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Kootenays. Uh, I don't know if they pay nurses there, but it's got to be thirty, forty bucks yeah, an it's, hour. It's doing pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, do you guys own a house? No, we're renting right now. You're we're renting. trying to keep everything basic, low payments, no debt. Get through school. Cool. I'm gonna work Pay my cash tail. for school. Paying cash. I work, like that. Work our tail off, and I'm just gonna. Work as much overtime as I can in the off season of elk season. Yeah, I worked very minimum during this September, but right back at it again. Okay, I like that. Now, 
what's the end game? Like, do you guys want to eventually settle down and buy a house and commit? That's the end game. Okay. And uh, it might not be in the Coeur d'Alene area. It might be pretty close, but, you know, the the market's pretty high right now. And yeah, it is. <laughs> so we're we're actually – it's funny that you say that because we were just talking about houses, and she's the one that said, what if we built a tiny home? Have it really? paid off fast. I love that you guys are like on the same page and you're working together. You know, me and my wife didn't even have the same checking account for the first couple of years, okay. and it was a disaster. I'm trying to get Elk Shape off the ground. I have a backup plan. If Elk Shape turns into being just kind of like a job, I don't want it to be. Yeah. Like I'm sitting here talking to you. I got mm-hmm. to meet you today. I got to talk about elk hunting. Hopefully you leave here today pretty motivated, inspired, and you already are pretty yeah. motivated, inspired, and count me as a friend. You got my cell number. You can reach out anytime. And hopefully people listening can be like, man, I can do this. And we inspire other people. Right, if yeah. I can get make enough to pay bills and do this, I'm in. But I have backup plans. I have contingency plans. I might, mm-hmm. you know, I could get back into firefighting or I could get back to working in a gym, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to live like no one else. I just want to. So we have to live like no one else. We have to be tight. Right. We have to have a, you know, a budget and uh, it's not sexy, but it, it's mm-hmm. very practical and elk hunting can kind of get in the way of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, you're an Idaho resident. The tags yeah. are what, 130 bucks for all the tags? For the, yeah, the sportsman package. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I got grandfathered into that price, but yeah, it went up a little bit this year. But, but ultimately, yeah. you yeah. got a gaggle it's of the right tags. There. Yeah. You're in a great state. Mm-hmm. You can pick any zone. Yeah. You get tired of the brush, head south. Well, and that's what, that was the one thing that I wanted. I just, I just want to be sufficient in my backyard right here in my woods i want to be able to kill a bull yeah every year yeah i don't care if it's a spike sure 340 bull i just want to put meat in the freezer and you know it might get to the point where i have the time to take off down south in units where i'm not able to scout or different you know go out of state but for right now I, i just want to be sufficient in my backyard you will yeah you will i think uh i think you're on the right track keep in mind Took me like I think six or seven years before mm-hmm. I killed an Idaho bull, but then I went on a massive streak that just ended this year, by the way, which yeah. was great for me to to have that come to an end. But like that is to say, like it's a curve, right? Mm-hmm. But you're on the you're you got to be getting close. Oh man, I feel like I'm You've so close. You got to be able to taste it. Yeah, and you just need a little luck too. Mm-hmm. And find like right now you're at the point where you just kind of have to find a few things that you need to tweak. And hopefully we talked about a couple ideas. Yeah. I think to recap, like we got to get you physically more fit. Like mm-hmm. I think you need to add more strength training and lose a little bit of weight, mm-hmm. not much, and get that mental toughness component. Go work with a CrossFit coach. I recommended one. Yeah. Or do something like that. Okay. Put that aside. Your shooting sounds like it's getting better. Keep right. doing that. Maybe go get some deer tags mm-hmm. and start killing some stuff. Have some reps in the red zone and have the meat. Right. Um, have, you know, have some reps breaking down some animals and stuff with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about just like, okay, changing tactics a little bit. Don't worry about killing an elk deep. As long as you've made the effort to be fit and have maybe stock mm-hmm. on backup or a friend that you know that can help you out. Uh, and then we talked about maybe slow playing a little longer when you know the signs there and you know the elk are in that spot. Like mm-hmm. it's, Give it a little more time to materialize. And we talked about this summer, maybe spring, bear hunting, poking your head around some new basins and drainages. Mm. Do you have a dirt bike? No. I actually sold my dirt bike. 
Like but you, get, get but you know how one. to ride one. Yep. So you might want to – dirt bikes are cheap. Get mm-hmm. a little shitty four-stroke dirt bike. Great. Kickstart, steel, old, mm-hmm. great. Um, and if you don't, you know, bicycle or whatever, or just hike in. But go cover more country, take the family, cut some firewood, get some huckleberries. Every time you're going out, like, oh, we're going to get firewood over here today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I do that all the time. Oh, no, we're going to yeah. pick huckleberries over here today. I want to learn. I want to know. I want to have more options. And then I'm following my own advice. Next year, move more. Mm-hmm. And by move, maybe it's a drainage. Maybe it's 10 miles. Maybe it's 30 miles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's find some elk that haven't been messed with, haven't heard a human call this, this year, haven't been messed with wolves, because your odds go up. You'll hear guys say, well, the, your best bet is that first day you're in on those elk. That might be true. It might not be. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like to bounce from spots to spots. I don't like to hunt the same elk usually more than one day. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what we talked about. We're going to go over maps offline, guys. Can't. Sorry, we can't do that part with you guys. Hunting's too competitive nowadays. <laughs> that's right. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, appreciate you coming on. If you got any last remarks or words of encouragement for those that are maybe where you're at or where you were. Yeah, I mean – be careful with archery elk hunting. It's going to get you. It's going to put its claws in you and hook you for life because, I, I mean, not, I haven't even been successful yet, and I'm hooked. I won't even think about picking up a rifle for elk. So be careful with it. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Well, uh, are you on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. What's your handle? Uh, Apadia643. Okay. Yeah. And then are you on Facebook too? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't get on that one as much, but. I don't yeah. think anybody does no. anymore. But Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, follow along this guy's journey and uh, reach out to him. You know, he's 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 like you guys. He's just hungry. He's hardworking. He's blue-collar. He puts his family first. And to me, you're just a breath of fresh air. I hope there's more guys out there like you that are just listening to this podcast and can relate to what we're doing. We're just – we're all cut from the same cloth, and we just – we're out there trying to put our best foot forward for our faith, our family – and we're trying to fill our freezers with elk meat. That's right. That's it, man. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll study some maps. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you. All right, guys. That was kind of a cool, fun episode to do in person. I hope you enjoyed that one. So Elk Shape Camp in Spokane, we're only doing one January 24th, 25th, 26th through October 31st. Discount code FLASH. You can try all caps. I'm I'm sure you'll figure it out. Get yourself 100 bucks off camp. So instead of being... $4.99. It's going to be $3.99. That's going to expire at the end of the month. That's going to help put that $100 towards gas or airfare or hotel. Get there. Special guest, Ryan Lampers, the Stealthy Hunter. And we're going to be at CrossFit Spokane Valley and Spokane Valley Archery. It's going to be awesome. We're going to limit to 20 athletes. That's going to kick off our Elk Shape Camp season. And then the next camp will be in Oregon. Registration is not live for that yet. So if you want to check that out, go to elkshape.com. And there's several links there to get yourself registered. Discount code FLASH. That's what I got. Here's Corey Jacobson. Hey, Elk Hunters. Corey Jacobson here from Elk101.com. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about elk hunting every day of the year and working continually to maximize your chances for success this fall. Well, Dan and I have created a special opportunity for you that I feel will absolutely take you to the next level in elk hunting, regardless of your previous experience. Three years ago, I created the University of Elk Hunting online course with one goal in mind, to make you a more successful elk hunter. 
The UEH online course contains 45 chapters of detailed elk hunting information organized into 17 modules and covering every imaginable elk hunting topic, from planning and scouting to calling tactics and tracking and every topic in between. The University of Elk Hunting online course is the most comprehensive and complete resource available to elk hunters. And for listeners of the Elk Shape podcast, Dan and I have teamed up to offer you a 20% discount when you sign up. Simply go to elk101.com, click the link to the online course, and use the code ELKSHAPE, all one word, when you check out. You owe it to yourself to invest in the single most lethal weapon that you take to the elk woods each fall. Invest in you. Sign up for the University of Elk Hunting online course and elevate your elk hunting success today.